It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully already subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review and a rating to help other people find us. We've still got all of the series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. Danny is off this week, but I am thrilled to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Crawley, host of Fly the W podcast, who I happen to be able to catch one of these Padres games with in person earlier this week. Crawley, how's it going? It's going good. You know, I, I'm sitting here and, and and Danny's getting a little vacation. I don't know if he's got a margarita somewhere or what he's doing on like a hammock with his guitar or something or ukulele. I could see something like that. But uh, man, watching these Cubs, you know, it's it's. You would have told me before opening day that this is how April would start out, and I would have taken it nine times out of ten. Oh, and I I have really been impressed with this Cubs team so far. I was looking over at Baseball Reference earlier today, and Baseball Reference gives them a 63.7% chance to make the playoffs. That's off the Pythag. It's just their win-loss record. But they also think they're underperforming their run differential a little bit, and they could have even an even better win-loss record. They have one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball right now. I do a lot of fantasy baseball work, and so one of the things we look at frequently is, like, which pitchers you should start in which uh, situations. And the Cubs are no longer one of those places where you feel comfortable starting uh, a middling starting pitcher for a fantasy team, and that's always a good sign for the home team. Let's just jump right in. I know that we missed the Dodgers series, but let's be honest. That was the first series the Cubs had lost in about a month and nobody wants to talk about losses, but I do want to talk about the almost perfect game that Drew Smiley threw because Drew Smiley has been on fire so far to start this season. And I just have to say, how can you lose a perfect game like that? Jan Gomes tackling Drew Smiley, Wilson Contreras would never. Well, you know, I actually was at the game. I was in the bleachers and I wasn't supposed to go to the game, but I decided last minute I got a ticket and, you know, just, just the way that they were kind of, it was just flowing, man. It was unbelievable. And there was so much offense going on that you almost kind of didn't really, you know, like the first couple innings, you're kind of just like getting into it and you love to see some runs, but then all of a sudden you're taking a look like the fifth inning and you're like, what's going on here? Like, everyone stop talking about it. Let's just be quiet and watch the game. But yeah. I mean, on a 30 mile per hour dribbler, not even, you know, like 15, 20 feet. And yeah, you, you know, you talk about Jan Gomes and, and kind of tackling him. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, David Ross made that comment. They asked him because his pitch count was getting really high. Probably in the eighth inning, he was in the mid nineties. You know what I mean? So upper nineties in, in the, in the, just to start the eighth inning. And so I remember, you know, they, they asked him if he would have gotten all three outs in the eighth, would you, 
you know, with the pitch count, would you add him out in the ninth? And he said, yeah, I would have rode him harder than Jan. And so I don't know if you saw today, a bunch of the beat writers had pictures. They had obvious shirts out there with that quote on it, with the picture of Jan on top of Drew Smiley. So that was a lot of fun. I did see those shirts and I thought they were spectacular. We got to see Drew Smiley uh, pitch against the Padres in game two of this Padres series. Let's jump right into that. The Cubs took two of three against a Padres team that is really good, man. Like Xander Bogarts might be the best hitter in the league right now. Juan Soto is still Juan Soto. Fernando Tatis Jr. is back and the Cubs faithful were not having it with Tatis. Uh, He got booed about as much as anybody I've seen since Ryan Braun, man. I mean, nobody was here for Fernando Tatis at the friendly confines. (laughs) Yeah. The friendly confines weren't too friendly to Tatis and, and, but you know what, man? He, I think he just kind of made it, you know, he, he kind of made it worse because he was kind of mocking dancing because there's they were chanting, you're on steroids, and he's just dancing. And, oh, my God, that I mean, that just got him even more fired up. So, you know, I think the Cubs caught the Padres at a right time. I, I, I you know, uh, Blake Snell is a guy who just is, is much, for whatever reason, he struggles in the first half, better in the second half. And then just taking a look at the way that these guys, you know, you know that offense is going to click. When you're sitting there and you're looking at the one through five in their offense and you're like, oh, my God. But Tatis is just kind of getting back into it. Uh, you know, you mentioned Xander, who's absolutely out of this world. But Manny Machado's been struggling. It looked like, he, you know, he got a home run today, but maybe coming out of it. But I think the Cubs caught them right now at the right time, so I'm glad they did, you know? I totally agree with that. And I will say Xander Bogarts is really interesting to me. We were talking about this a little bit at the game that we were at. I thought he might struggle in San Diego. San Diego is not really a pitcher or a hitter friendly environment. It's much more of a pitcher's park. And Fenway is a hitter's park. You can, you know, if you're a great hitter, you can maneuver how you hit off the monster. Pesky's pole is super close. I think it's the shortest porch over there um, in right field. And honestly, Xander has not missed a beat. He is hitting like 333. He is he is just rocking it for the Padres. It was great to see. Um, and Hayson Kim was also like amazing for the Padres. It felt like every time that dude came up, he did something productive. It, it may not have been a home run, but it was it was a single. It was moving the runner along. It was something that was going to help out the team. I think this Padres team is going to be a force to be reckoned with later in the in the season. And I am glad the Cubs saw them now. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we were talking about Kim just has those productive at bats, you know, and, and, and it may not look sexy, but everything that he does, you know, I think in two stolen bases the other night, just, just, just a real pain in the butt to get out and and a guy that's going to make the pitchers work and good bat to ball skills. And he just keeps, you know, just putting the ball in play and seeing what happens and causing havoc. And that guy was, he was irritating me. But one of those things where you wish he was on your team, you know, almost like a Nico Horner, you know what I mean? Speaking of Nico Horner, I cannot say enough good things about Nico. He just continues to rake. Uh, Nico Horner is hitting like 345. He has nine stolen bases. He's got two home runs. He is doing everything and playing gold glove defense to boot. I feel like the Cubs finally have their leadoff man for the first time in literal years, like maybe since Dexter Fowler. Yeah, I mean... I think everyone, I thought he was going to be an all-star this year. I think I thought second base fit him a little bit better. And, and, you know, every time you've looked at him, especially the last couple of years, he just looks like he's growing into his body more, you know, he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger and, and he's starting to turn on some balls now all of a sudden. So, I, I mean, but, but what you're saying, I mean, what is it? Are we at 21 games on base streak? I mean, he's just getting 22 on today, 22, 22 so. as of today. 
God, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. And you know how it goes. Like we, we always, you know, as Cub fans, we struggle. Who's going to be the leadoff man? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like you, you basically can count the number of good leadoff men on, on like one hand in like Cubs history, you know? So just to sit there and take a look at what he's doing, it's just nice to see somebody, you know, just doing a great job. I remember we thought like, oh, you know, everyone's like, oh, maybe it could be Kyle Schwarber leadoff. It's like, eh, nope, that didn't work. Ian Happ can be leadoff. Nope, that it's not that easy. You know what I mean? You just plug a guy in there and sometimes they make it seem like it, but it isn't. It's like when they talk about closers and you're like, oh, it's just, you should be able to put anyone in there. No, you got to kind of have just a certain mentality. You have to have a certain approach and, and, and I just don't think it's something that you can teach. You either have it or you don't. And I think Ian's the type of guy that does. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I want to see what happens with that on-base streak. I mean, he has just been killing it lately. Let's jump into some other guys who have been killing it lately. Uh, game one, Justin Steele got the win. He just continues to shove. He has been absolutely unreal for the Cubs this season. Dare I say ace-like? I mean, Marcus Stroman has been the ace of the staff, but Justin Steele is not far behind. And he blanked a very good Padres team in the first game of this series. What did you see from Justin Steele during that game one? So Justin Steele right now, they were saying the other day, he has the lowest ERA since the All-Star break last year. And, you know, he didn't go six innings, so that was a shorter start for him. But he just continues to sit there and just be absolutely confident, and he's throwing it in there. The ball is just moving all over the place. And like you said, that's a very good Dodgers hitting lineup. And they were, they were baffled is what I saw. I saw, I saw them frustrated and I just feel like right now he has all the confidence in the world in what he has. And that relationship that he does have with Gomes when Gomes, when Gomes is catching him, I mean, they're, they're just an electric duo, man. It's just fun to see. Yeah. Justin Steele is four Oh on the season. Uh, he has gone at least five innings in every single start. He went five and a third against this Padres team. And that was the shortest start that he's had this season, but he has been good five strikeouts, eight strikeouts, and he has not faced weak lineups. He has faced the Brewers. He has faced the Rangers. He has faced the Dodgers and he has faced the Padres. I absolutely love what I am seeing from Justin Steele and I hope he can keep it up. Um, Let's also talk a little bit about Jan Gomes in this game. I, you know, I, I have been calling him not Wilson. I have been calling Tucker Barnhart not Wilson, too. I am obviously, like, very upset that my favorite player is on the Cardinals. But Jan Gomes has been the hottest hitter for the Chicago Cubs in the last two weeks, and he went deep in this game. What are you seeing from Jan Gomes, both at the plate and behind the plate? Here's what I'll say. I, didn't, I, I was absolutely fine understanding that we were probably not going to get much from the catcher position this year, and I knew what they were. The, the, the name of the game was run prevention. And watching the way that Jan Gomes, like when you're at home and you're watching and just how smooth he is when he frames pitches and the amount of pitches strikes that he steals for his pitchers, that is what blows me away. Now, now, now the offense, I, I out of nowhere, I mean, I think they, he had eight home runs all of last season. He already has like four or five. So, I mean, that, that I didn't expect, but I think he just is a, He's the prototypical calm, steady hand behind the plate. And I think that he just has a really good relationship. And I remember when Jan Gomes started catching Kyle Hendricks before Kyle Hendricks would get it was injured. And I was listening to like post game comments and he just went, I remember Kyle going absolutely out of his way to praise Jan Gomes and you know, certain guys, it, pitchers just like to throw to. And I think Jan Gomes just fits that bill. And when you're talking, I think there's a reason you're seeing 
the ERAs you're seeing from this Cubs staff. And I think it has to do with a lot of the things that Jan does um, both on the field and off the field. You know, I think people don't understand how much work goes into the game planning and, and the stuff that that's required of catchers. Every, I, I don't think that there's a, a more difficult position in base and baseball because of all the extra work that they have to do behind the scenes. It doesn't, like I said, you, you know, no one's going to, you know, see that on ESPN, somebody looking over a scouting report or going over film or any of that stuff. But I just think he's just really, really good at what he does. I think you're absolutely right about catchers. It's one of the reasons that catchers are usually among my favorite players. Uh, we got to take a selfie with Joe Girardi uh, at the game a couple of nights ago. That was super fun. And, and it's funny to me because that's the second selfie I have with Joe Girardi. When I was like 13 years old, true story. I, I guess it wasn't a selfie at that point in time, but somebody took a picture with me and Joe Girardi. Um, when I was 13 years old, it was the first year that the Rockies had played at Coors and Girardi was a Rocky and we're like, we got to go on the field and meet some of the players. Uh, I think it was before the game. It might have been after the game. I don't remember. But um, everybody's beelining for like the famous Rockies, like, you know, Galarraga and all this. Stuff. I'm like Joe Girardi. And my mom looks at me like I'm just crazy. I'm like, he was he's a cub. <laughs> I'm going yeah, to get my he, picture taken with Joe Girardi. You know, Peoria's native son, man. I mean, he's, he's always one of those guys that's just really so bright. He has such a great baseball mind. And that, those are catchers, you know? Absolutely. And catchers become managers and they become managers because they are managing the game as catchers. And that's one of the, I mean, I would not be surprised to see Jan as a manager at some point in the future. Um, the other thing I want to talk about here. Well, first, before we get to Nelson Velasquez, uh, Cody Bellinger has joined like half of the do the 2022 Dodgers on the paternity list. And I honestly, I did the math on this and I just want to know what happened during the all-star break in LA because they had a great time during the all-star break in LA. <laughs> that must've been one hell of a party, man. I, there, there's going to be a book about that one day. Cause I think you got like <laughs> six guys on paternity leave from that 2022 team right now. So uh, Hey man, cheers on that. And, 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 and uh, Hey, you know, uh, I, I hoping Bellinger comes back. I will tell you, you know, we were bringing a Bellinger here, but I sat there and, you know, you, you know where I sit. I sit in the 306 row one, but you know, every now and then I like to just pop out in the bleachers. I've been to, I think I've been to two bleacher games this year, two bleacher games, but just the, the amount, just watching him on defense blows my mind. It's the same thing I was talking about with Jan. It's like, I always challenge people. I say, okay, you tell me the greatest Cubs center fielder that ever existed. And they had to have played a minimum of three seasons on the Cubs. And then all of a sudden starts to get really tricky, right? Like you could sit there, Sarah. And if I said, give me a Cubs hall of fame, third baseman, shortstop, second oh, yeah. baseman, you could do it. No problem. But you get to center field and then you're going to be like, yeah. Did Reed Johnson have at least three seasons with the Cubs? I think he did in two different stints. And Reed Johnson is my personal favorite center fielder with the Cubs. Right. But I'm talking all-star. Let's just, I'm just going all-star caliber. I'm not even going to hall of fame caliber. Like I'm just going like a dude who I knew was going to make the plays, like I, who was going to catch the baseballs and make the plays and also do so in a way that was correct. Right. Like no offense to, I, I had a Reed Johnson comment on Twitter a while back and somebody was like, Albert Almora jr. Would like a word. And I was just like, look, Albert Almora jr. Like to dive a lot. And he wasn't a very good center fielder. He he dove for the baseball a lot because he wasn't particularly great at routes and he wasn't particularly great at reading where things were. And so he he, he kind of did the Derek Jeter thing. Like Derek Jeter also dove a lot. And it's like, th those were not hard plays. Those are plays a shortstop is supposed to make. Um, but Reed Johnson is the dude who I trusted in center field. However, you are absolutely right that Cody Bellinger 
has been that guy in center and he makes plays look so easy that are really hard. Right. Like I'm in the, I'm in the bleachers I'm watching and the ball goes off off the bat. And when I put my eyes back down on the fielder, he's already right where he's, it's, it's uncanny how he just kind of glides. It's, it's, it's something totally different that I'm just not used to. And I'm loving it. Yeah. And this is a great signing by the Cubs. I don't know if they'll be able to extend him and keep him. I don't even know if they want to with Pete Crow Armstrong doing Pete Crow Armstrong stuff in double A right now, but it's a, it's an awesome uh, interim to Pete Crow Armstrong and great signing by Jed Hoyer so far. Um, Speaking of Bellinger on the paternity list though, the guy who has been called up to do duty uh, at center with Bellinger out has been Nelson Velasquez and he has been absolutely incredible. I honestly don't know how you send this guy back to triple A right now when he is slashing 462, 563, 1077. Like that is not an OPS. That is a slugging rate for Nelson Velasquez. He has hit a ridiculous number of home runs and like 20 plate appearances. Crawley, how is he going back to AAA? He can't. Why are Luis Torrens and Edwin Rios here? Just keep Nelson Velasquez on the team. I think, you know, and this, this all, this is a problem that the Cubs are having and it's a good problem to have. It's way better than last year when you had like nothing and you were scrounging for scraps is that you all of a sudden you're starting to see, you know, last year, every affiliate other than, uh, other than AAA was in the postseason for your minor leaguers this year, all the affiliates have winning records and you're starting to see a ton of guys and you're kind of starting to get this backlog of talent. And it's like, okay, well, who are you going to bring up? Like, okay, I, I, I get like, you know, Terenz and, and, and a couple of these other guys, but, but they're guys that are just not getting a lot of playing time. And so that's the other thing you don't want to do with some of these young guys in their development. And, and, and it just sucks because you're going to put, you're going to put them back at Nelson in AAA because I mean, you're going to have, I mean, it's been a while that we, since we've been able to pencil in a lineup, remember Madden used to kind of do a lot of crazy lineups, but like I can sit there and before anything comes out, I know exactly what at least the top five to six are going to be. I don't have to wait for the lineup to come up. And so it's like, these are guys we we've, it's been well-documented how much, um, Swanson wants to stay in the lineup. Doesn't want to be out obviously for Cody Bellinger, huge year, you know, Ian Happ just signed the contract, uh, say I missed some time and I'm sure he doesn't want to miss any more. And so this is kind of one of those situations is, you know, where are you going to get every day at bats? And a lot of people will say, okay, you know, maybe as a DH, I don't know. I mean, and so that's kind of, you know, you can make an argument for that, have him be a DH and then kind of, uh, you know, maybe rotate that DH outfielder spot. I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, I, I, I really, I think the concern with Terenz as a catcher is with his claws, if he's, he doesn't have to take that option. He doesn't have to take the trip to Iowa. So if all of a sudden the Cubs cut him, another team's going to pick him up. And here's the thing, Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart, neither of those guys are spring chickens. And so I think they're worried that if something were to happen to one slash both, you really don't have anything that could come up right away. So I think that's why that Terenz situation is there as far as Edwin Rios uh that one I don't know if you want to keep magical up then I'd rather like I said just you know maybe keep Velasquez up and have him you know DH and then spell a guy for a day if you can try to get one of those guys off the field and have them DH you know have Ian Happ DH or something I don't know yeah the Velasquez problem we're going to talk about this because there's a couple of other dudes who are knocking at the door in AAA and Christopher Morrell and Matt Mervis we're going to talk about them in a second, too. But before we do, let's talk about the game that the Cubs lost in this series. Uh, Drew Smiley was great again in game two. I, I got to hang out with Crawley at his seats in 306 for this one. Crawley, 
we were both dying when they pulled Adbert Alzali, and and it was the most predictable thing ever. Uh, Bob Melvin pinch hit Trent Grisham. Alzali has had a lefty splits problem in the past. It's Trent Grisham. He's hitting like 198. Alzali in the bullpen is not the same guy who was, you know, struggling against lefties in the fourth inning at like 70 pitches or whatever. I feel like this was where the game was lost. Uh, you you should leave Alzali in, let him face Grisham, walk Grisham if you feel so inclined, and and let him get to that soft part of the right-handedness. Brent, Brandon Hughes just did not have it, and he gave up the game. Yeah, you know, when we were talking and we were like, okay, here here comes, uh, you know, you'll see Adbert, and he's going to go through the order until they get to uh, Tatis Jr., right? And, and then, then they'll probably take him out. That's what we kind of figured. And then when he makes that move for Grisham, the other thing to keep in mind too is that Grisham is one of those guys that is is like a you know a guy that has a lot of power, but also a lot of strikeouts and stuff like that. On that day, on that game that we went, the wind was a crosswind. Okay, so if you're a lefty and you're going to try to hit it into the right field bleachers, that wasn't happening. You saw that again today, and so you know I just thought that that was just like a mistake because I think even if Adbert make a mistake and Grisham gets one in the air it would have taken a hell of a lot for that to go out. And I would just to tip my hat then if that was the situation. So I agree with you. And also Adbert has been so filthy this year out of the pen that giving up on an Adbert relief appearance for batters in just doesn't really seem all of that useful to me. Like I would rather they put Grisham on first or, you know, like, you could like pseudo walk him. Like you don't have to intentionally walk him. You can just like not throw him anything to hit and then see what Adbert can do with the rest of that lineup. I really think Adbert deserved a longer leash there. I thought it was a mistake to pull him for Brandon Hughes. It's like my one complaint about the managing during this series so far. I do want to also shout out that Trey Mancini hit a home run in this game. That was awesome to see him heating up a little bit. Uh, He is going to be on our hot hitters list for the first time in his Cubs career. Well, Sarah, there's one more little bullpen thing that kind of bothered me is that when uh, Tatis Jr. hit that single and it drove in two runs, that put San Diego up three to two, okay? And the game is still right there. I mean, the Cubs have come back from double-digit deficits. It's a one-run game. Why would you put Julian Mer- Merriweather in the ninth? I mean, him at the eight ERA. What? What? I mean, I agree. Uh, you know it could have been completely different in the, that ninth inning. They had run, they had the tining run at first base, you know, I mean, God, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I felt like that was just not a well managed game at the end there. It was a tough game. It was a cold game. The wind was funky, you know, runs were at a premium. And I, I just, I didn't like how it was managed. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, let's talk about game three, which was a much better game. Uh, Hayden Wesneski on the bump got the win. I, he seems back to me. I, he struggled a bit in his in a, his first couple of starts. He looked like he had some control issues. Those seem to be gone. He is no longer like putting that slider out over home plate and getting that crushed. He, he looks like he is back. And we saw Dansby Swanson's for, first Cubs home run. That was outstanding. It was a little basket shot. I, I admit that the wind probably helped that a little bit, but whatever. You got to get your first one somewhere. Uh, what did you see in this game three with the Cubs taking the series from the dads? You know, I think I, I like, I think Hayden's doing better, but he's not the guy that I saw in Arizona when I went out there still. Like when I, when I saw him in Arizona, I mean, he was just unhittable. He looked like to me, when I was just, and again, spring training, spring training, but when I was out in the desert and I'm just talking about just pure stuff, 
he looked like he had it the best. He's still getting behind batters a little bit. I still, I feel like, I think that the Hayden that we saw in spring and the Hayden that we saw in September last year, I don't think he's there just yet, but I think he's making strides in that direction. So the other thing though, too, Sarah, that I'm a little bit worried about is, is walks within the bullpen. Every guy that came out of the bullpen today issued a walk. And today was very similar to yesterday, but stronger wins. But if you had a right, if you were a righty and you got in between the scoreboard and the foul pole, that ball was taken off. There was a little like jet stream that you could just ride there. And that's what Hosmer did. And that's what Nelson did. And and, and that's what Manny Machado did. And so like, I, I, you know, (laughs) when the wind is blowing out, you do not want to put runners on base. You just don't. I mean, that, that that can escalate into a real bad situation quickly. So I really, 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 I understand walks happen sometime. And sometimes, again, if you are facing a Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper, okay, maybe sometimes I'll be like, okay, I don't mind that walk. But again, against guys like Trent Grisham or, or you know, guys at the bottom of the order, man, don't, don't put them on like that for free. Make them earn it. I totally agree with you. The walks will kill you every time. I mean, Brad Boxberger wound up getting the save today, but he also walked a guy and and you never want to see that. The the thing that is a little bit more concerning to me was the hard contact that Keegan Thompson and Brad Boxberger both gave up. They had like three hard hit balls between them uh, in the later innings. And and you just never want to see that those can turn South real quick. Yeah. And, and I just, I have a feeling right now that the pitching staff has pretty much come together. The hitting's looking good. I still think the bullpen right now, I think, I think in the second half, I believe it's going to be a strong suit for the Cubs. But I th- right now in the first half, it's it's a t- tight wire act. I, I think that's about right. Let's talk about AAA for a minute. We mentioned uh, Christopher Morrell raking. He hit a home run over the center field scoreboard in Iowa. I, Crawley, I, I know he's still striking out 30% of the time. I know the Cubs are going to leave him in AAA until he gets that K rate down to about 25% or lower. That is the right thing to do. He can get every day at bats there. But, oh, my God, the tools are so loud. I love Christopher Morrell. I want him back yesterday. So just so you know, today, Christopher Morrell was four for six, four runs, two home runs, two RBIs, and a stolen base in a 18-16 to 16 Iowa Cubs win that was on marquee at noon today. So uh, our friend Alex Cohen and all those guys out there, but as I'm telling you, it's, 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 you know, there's a lot of guys in AAA that I think would have been starting on this Cubs team last year. And it's just like, and there's no room for them right now. It's, it's crazy. And so, and, and, and the funny thing is I think the Smokies team is the most loaded out of all of them. You know, I agree. You're sitting here and you're you're trying to figure out. Yeah, you now have the last year. You needed Morel. You needed Morel because you had you had more holes than Swiss cheese out there, and that and and, and Morel could easily just plug in. Now they've plugged up all those holes where Morel was playing last year, and it's 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 a different situation. And so they do have the luxury of saying, "Hey, Chris, like you said, get that K rate down to about. Can we get it to about twenty five percent? Because." You know, it is one thing to hit those home runs and do that in AAA. It's a different thing when you're facing some of the stud pitchers that are up here, you know, and and, and so, you know, when all of a sudden some of those guys have those nasty sliders, you don't see that in AAA like that, man. It's it's a different ball game. So I'd rather he learn there than try to learn here and be pressing. You know, I'd rather, I'd ra- you know, keep in mind, there's a lot of guys over the years that 
were optioned to Iowa. You're talking about Javi Baez. You're talking about Ian Happ. You're talking about Kyle Schwarber. Like the guys like Chris Schwarber that or like uh, Chris Bryant that come up and never go back. Those are like the rare. Those 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 are the outliers, man. It's Wilson not, Contreras never went back. I just want to. But he was there that. for. But he was there as, as the foremost Wilson Contreras stand <laughs> on the internet. I would like to flag that Wilson okay. Contreras never went back. <laughs> he never went back. I, I I'll go with you there. But I'm I'm just saying right now, just looking at it is that it's not the end of the world and, and it's okay to let these guys develop at a pace. You don't want I just don't want these guys to get screwed up. I think when I think back of the core, the 2015, 2016, 2017, that team, I think there was a lot of guys that kind of came up and all of a sudden they just took off. But then I think their development kind of didn't really progress like I would have liked to have seen it. I don't want to see any of these guys' development get screwed up, especially when there's no reason. Like I'm, there's no panic button right now. The Cubs are in a really good place. I agree with that. I also think they have a first base solution in the form of Matt Mervis, who will probably be the guy that we see before we see Christopher Morrell. And at this rate, I have to imagine, I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I listen to these Cubs broadcasts and they love what Hosmer brings in terms of team guy, intangibles, dude in the dugout, experience. I mean, there was a uh, scene where Manny Machado was on first base today and he gives Eric Hosmer a hug and they go off for like 10 minutes about how great Eric Hosmer is as a clubhouse guy. And I'm like, and Eric Hosmer is the guy who needs to go for Matt Mervis to come up. Right. And I, I, look, there's no doubt that, that Hosmer had a really good career and it's kind of the end of the line and he's getting paid league minimum by Cubs, by the Cubs. Okay. And the whole point was just to have like a, in case of glass break, you know, Hosmer or something, whatever, you know, you, you just needed two professional guys. What people don't realize is Matt Mervis had two years in the minors. His first year was awful. His second year was one of the most amazing years I've ever seen. So which guy is Matt Mervis? You want to sit there and just hand a guy the, a, a starting first base job for a major league market team that had one good season in the minors that's not a real common thing to do. So they want to just see what they got. And, and, and I don't have any problem with that. But if Mervis keeps doing what he's doing, one of the things that Jed keeps bringing up is every day at bats. It's my concern with Nelson. It's my concern with Morrell is I don't want guys riding the pine. And if, if that's what's going to happen, I, I, I want Christopher Morrell to be playing four or five days a week minimum. Okay. And so with Mervis, you can do that with the DH spot. You can do it with the DH spot. So you cut Hosmer, you kind of flip around between, you know, uh, Mervis and, and uh, Mancini. And I think you're going to be fine. And I don't think, and I think all those guys get their bats and, and we're in good shape. I, I think what they would like to do is have Eric Hosmer get some sort of IL stint uh, that keeps him around where they can bring up Matt Mervis and Hosmer can still be there for a bit. But I, I agree with you that that's sort of the play. I will also say, the other thing that happened in Iowa today and and gave up six of those of those 16 runs that you were talking about, Kyle Hendricks had a rehab start in Iowa today. I, I want to caution people about being too upset about the number of runs Hendricks gave up. I don't think he was trying to like run prevent. I think he was just trying to get some work in and see and feel good and see how he was doing. He seemed pretty happy with just feeling healthy on the mound. After that start, our friend Brian Smith, who does some Cubs prospect work, had a really great uh, thread about that start and what they were looking at. It looks like he maxed out at 89.2 miles per hour, which which is pretty fast for Kyle Hendricks. I, I am not going to lie. Um, but he did get hit around a lot, including some hard hit baseballs by Ellie De La Cruz. 
and some other Reds prospects. Uh, what did you see from Kyle Hendricks in this rehab start? Like you said, he hasn't been on a mound in over a year. This has been the longest stretch of time with Kyle not throwing baseballs. And so, you know, it's like you said, it's nothing to panic about. You just get on the mound, you get comfortable. That's all he was doing. Now, all these other guys have been playing, you know, a lot of these kids that he's playing against are trying to play for their careers. They're in meaningful, intense games, and they're trying to do the best that they can. Whereas Kyle was just in there, just getting throwing the ball, kind of seeing how things feel, see how the arm feels, the shoulder. And that's it. You cannot panic on this. And it's not, it's going to take a little bit of time to build up. I think, I think people thought he was going to be coming up in May. I still don't think that May is a realistic option, to be honest with you, not with the way the Cubs are playing right now. And so I would say that I would see Kyle sometime in June. So, I mean, he's going to build it up, you know, he's going to throw two innings here, three innings, get pitch counts, you know, 30, 40, and then start building it up till he gets, you know, he's right now probably where like, you know, your very first spring training starts. I think that's right. I think that spring training is the right uh, analogy here. And that means you're looking at probably a month where Kyle Hendricks needs to do some work in Iowa before he can possibly come back with the Cubs. And uh, we'll have a better idea after a handful more starts from Kyle Hendricks as to what is really there. But it was nice to see that velocity back up over 88. I, I sometimes think about Dan Heron, who is on Twitter as I, I throw 88. Uh, Kyle Hendricks also throws 88, but he does it very well. And so if he can do it very well in Iowa, the Cubs will see him back soon. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to take a look at a Marlins series coming up and who will take the spot in the rotation for Jamison Tyon, who is currently on the injured list. But first, a quick break. All right. We are back. The Cubs are headed to Miami where they are going to face off against the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins are not a very good baseball team. So you would like to see the Cubs keep up their series winning ways in Miami. Uh, it looks like the probable pitchers list right now is currently Stroman versus Lizardo, TBD versus Cabrera and Steele versus Honig. Uh, Roto-Wire does a probable pitcher grid where they plug in who they think the most likely guy to get those TBD starts is. And they've got that listed as Caleb Killian right now, which I admit was a little bit surprising to me. I kind of thought Javier Assad might get that nod, um, but it looks like it's going to be Caleb Killian. What do you see in these probable pitcher matchups, Crawley? I want to see Stroman bounce back. And I, I mean, it wasn't a horrible start, but he got uh, knocked around a little bit by the Dodgers and Wrigley. And so I think the, that, that started, you know, Strowman's had a really, really good season and it's okay to kind of have a little blip every now and then. And so I, I want to see Stroh come out and, and really have a good start against Miami. Looking at that Miami lineup, I mean, it, it, when you compare it to just playing seven games against the Dodgers and the Padres, I, I think that that's going to be a real nice kind of a little, I don't want to say a breather. There's no breathers in MLB, but it's not what they've been facing lately. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I do think that. And I, it's not really a breather. Like, Luzardo and Cabrera are both really good pitchers. The Marlins are kind of a, an interesting team because they have some great pitching. They have, like, seven second basemen on their team. Exactly. They've got John Birdie and Gene Segura and Jazz Chisholm's out in center field. And, like, you look at the Marlins roster and you're kind of like, what is going on in Miami? How many second – Luisa Arias, like how many second basemen can you have on one single team? Gene Segura. <laughs> and yet the Marlins are making it work with like 19 second basemen on their roster and a bunch of pitching. Um, I think that Stroman might be able to do some damage against this Marlins lineup. I, I would hope he is able to. When we get to the hot and cold bats for the – Marlins and the Cubs, you'll you'll notice pretty quick that the Cubs have a lot more hot bats and 
the the uh the strength of those bats is is just stronger like the marlins hottest hitters are not nearly as good as the cubs hottest hitters at the moment if you will um but i will say i'm curious to see killian we have not seen caleb killian pitching in a major league baseball game and since midsummer last year he kind of struggled when he came up for the cubs and i'm i would love to see what killian can do against this marlins team yeah, I was there when he made his debut. It was against the Cardinals in a doubleheader. And, and I mean, the stuff was electric. There, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, he, he had a really good spring training, I, I felt. Um, but he was clearly behind, say, um, Hayden Wisniewski and Javier Assad, who both had really good springs. And so I'm just kind of taking a look. And I just want to really, really see him have a, a solid start and have something to build off when he does go back to Iowa. To be clear, that is a uh, Roto-Wire's projection. That is not Crawley or my projection. That is nothing that I have heard from the Cubs side of things. And I doubt Crawley has either, but if it is Caleb Killian, we will be watching that start uh, with, with eagerness to be um, TBD right now on the MLB probable pitchers list. Uh, Steel versus Honig feels like the Cubs should just crush in that game. Justin Steele has been outstanding this year and, and Brian Honig has not. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's only in there because of injuries to their rotation. So, I, I, I absolutely that that on paper it looks like one that you should easily walk away with. But you know, that's why you play the games, man. I I, I was a hundred percent certain twice that the Cubs were going to beat Michael Grove with the Dodgers, and it didn't happen. So, I always get a little bit nervous on those games. But the way that the way that you're looking, the way that Justin Steele has has been right now, I just just wanted to keep rolling. Baseball get a baseball. You never know what's going to happen. Let's talk about some Cubs hot hitters uh, for the last two weeks. Now, as a reminder, we do this off the last 14 days, and you have to have at least 20 plate appearances to qualify. So Nelson Velasquez just misses the cut on the plate appearances to qualify. He's not quite at 20 yet. Um, but if he were, he would he would be leading this list. Nelson Velasquez is like the hottest hitter in the land. However, he's not in this list because he didn't have 20 plate appearances when I ran it. Uh, Jan Gomes leads this list. He's got a WRC plus of 240. If you recall correctly, WRC plus is a stat that is benchmarked at 100 being league average. Um, and that means he is 140% better at driving in runs than the league average hitter right now. He is currently over the last two weeks, slashing 424, 441, 818. That's outstanding. Cody Bellinger has a WRC plus of 216, 368, 467, 711. Patrick Wisdom, WRC plus of 160. Uh, he's slashing 245, 302, 694. Nico Horner, WRC plus of 149, slashing 333, 390, 519 over the last two weeks. Ian Happ is at 136, slashing 302, 380, 488. Trey Mancini is at uh, 126, slashing 258, 343, 484. And welcome to this list, Trey Mancini. It is your first time on the list, and we're happy to have you here. Seiya Suzuki just back off the injured list is at 119, and he is slashing 286, 388, 381. That is a lot of damage in the top part of the Cubs lineup. Yeah, and and again, we, we talked about that Nico Horner on base streak and, and just – you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Trey Mancini kind of starting to warm up. I think people were flipping out over a very, very small sample size. And, you know, sometimes some guys take a little while to get going. One of my favorite Cubs of all time, Aramis Ramirez, was a notorious slow starter. I mean, sometimes that happens and it's it's okay. I mean, no need to panic. We're not cutting anybody. We're not, we didn't make the biggest mistake ever. It, it's, it's, it's. 
let's just see what happens. So I'm glad to see, you know, Trey Mancini doing a little bit better and hopefully cup fans will calm down. And, and, and with Dansby getting his first home run, you know, he's been scuffling a little bit lately. I'd like to see if hopefully he can kind of get going a little bit in this Marlins series. Yeah, I agree with that. Dansby is not actually, Oh, Dansby is on this list. He's not one of our cooler hitters at the moment, but I think no. Dansby's going to bounce back just fine. Um, we'll talk about him in a second. For the Marlins, they only have three players who have a WRC plus over 110 in the last two weeks. It is Brian De La Cruz, who has, he is slashing 326, 356, 488 with a WRC plus of 132. Old friend Jorge Soler slashing 278, 395, 444 with a WRC plus of 132. And Garrett Hampson is slashing one of the many second basemen for the Marlins. He is slashing 276, 323, 483 with a WRC plus of 121. And this is what I say when I'm like, the Cubs and Marlins are just very different offenses right now. The Cubs are kind of clicking on all cylinders. They've got a lot of guys who are doing damage. And the Marlins just do not. Those are the only three guys who are putting up above average numbers right now. Yeah, it just, they 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 do not strike fear in your hearts. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I'm kind of looking at this and I'm saying to myself, you know, when you have your two studs going right there in Stroman and in, uh, in Justin Steele, it looks like a series that you should be able to win. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and we're going to be disappointed if the Cubs don't win this series, because these are the series you have to win if you're going to be competitive, right? Like, it is nice to take two of three from the Padres. It is great to take two of three from the Dodgers. You want to win the series you should win. You, you want to sweep Oakland, and you want to win against the Marlins if you're going to be a contending team. Absolutely. The, the one guy, just Luis Arias, just be careful with him. That would just be my one recommendation he's he just seems to you know he you know like 3 a.m tommy listella just like can hit anything like just pitches you probably shouldn't be able to hit it doesn't matter if he's been sitting all day it doesn't matter <laughs> if he's played every game that guy is just a hitting machine so he's the one guy that i would say just don't let him beat you that would that would just be my recommendation for the cubs anyone else I, i'm not really too worried about him is he's the one guy that kind of just gets me a little bit nervous I'm a little worried about Jazz Chisholm Jr., but uh, I agree with you on Luis Arias. Luis Arias is just barely on the cold hitters list right now, and keep in mind he's coming off an injury at the moment, but his cold hitting WRC plus of 84, uh, he's still he's still putting up a 300 batting average, which is crazy to think about. He's slashing 300, 364, 333. You do not usually see a 300 batting average with someone with a WRC plus under 85, but you're seeing it with Luis Arias. He's kind of a Nick Madrigal type of hitter in the sense that he's like a real contact guy, but it's a lot of singles. It's not a lot of power. Um, other guys who are on this list, Jazz Chisholm Jr., who I just mentioned, he's slashing 209, 244, 419 with WRC plus of 79. Garrett Cooper is slashing 231, 262, 231 with a WRC plus of 39. Gene Segura slashing 194, 194, 226 with a WRC plus of 13. And bringing up the back end, Jacob Stallings, uh, he is slashing 125, 125, 167 with a WRC plus of negative 25. It could be worse at catcher, my friends. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, the only thing that I see the Marlins have going for them is that the Cubs, I don't like, I don't like when they play in that park. I feel like that park is just kind of one of those weird, there's certain parks that I don't like when the Cubs go to. Arizona is another one, for example. You know what I mean? It's like, just parts where it seems like the Cubs struggle, but, but we're talking about winning series here. And that's what the Cubs have been doing pretty much the entire time. They dropped, you know, that opening series to the Brewers and they dropped the one recently to the Dodgers and that's it. So, you know, as long as you're winning series, you're going to be in playoff contention come September. 
That is absolutely right. And that is the goal, people. Get to the playoffs and see what happens, and 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 we'll go from there. Um, I want to go uh, to some of the Cubs cold bats at the moment. Keep in mind, these are two-week sample sizes, so they're kind of small. But we, we do want to make sure that we're keeping tabs on what is going on. Um, on the cold side of the ledger, too. Nick Madrigal has been, has cooled off quite a bit after a hot start. He's got a WRC plus of 84, slashing 261, 292, 391 over his last 24 plate appearances in the last two weeks. Dansby Swanson has a WRC plus of 66. He is slashing 159, 339, 182 over the last two weeks. And then Eric Hosmer, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And I, it's so hard to talk about Hosmer when you know Mervis is mashing in Iowa because it's just like the, the, the trade-off is right there. Eric Hosmer is slashing 179, 207, 321 with a WRC plus of 41 over the last two weeks. I mean, you want to maybe ask your listeners, when what, what is the over-under on, on when they expect to see Matt Mervis with this team? Would you say, let's say, rather than over-under, let's say before, after, Let's say, let's put it at May 15th. Would you say that Mervis is up before or after May 15th, if you were kind of picking out here? I mean, I think it's after, but I think that's a mistake. Like, I think that Jed Hoyer is currently sitting on the Matt Mervis chip as like, he doesn't want to push the Hosmer button. I, I So my hunch, and Crawley, you tell me if I'm wrong based on what you're hearing, but based on what I'm hearing and what I'm reading, my hunch is that Jed Hoyer has kind of a bit of a crush on Eric Hosmer. He likes him as a team guy. He likes him as a leader. That's why we've got all these stories in the athletic about like team dinners and guys hanging out together and the, the vibe in the clubhouse. And if you watch a marquee sports network broadcast, you get a lot of that, right? Like you get a lot of the, like the vibe is so good. Everybody's getting along. The, the guys are great. We have leadership in the clubhouse for the first time in ages. And I just, I don't know about you, but I hear that. And I hear that they do not want to cut Eric Hosmer. They don't want to cut him under any circumstances. And and it is bananas to me that they have him DHing when, and look, he hit a home run today. That was great. I was really excited about it. Frankly, it was a great swing. If he could swing like the bat like that more frequently, I'd be real excited about it because I, I wouldn't think he needed to go anywhere at all. But he doesn't swing the bat like that. Most of the time, he's swinging the ball straight into the ground, and those become double plays. Those become outs, or he's popping it up. And I and he doesn't see a lot of pitches. There's just not a lot there that I'm grasping onto as like Eric Hosmer is great. You know, I, I get the clubhouse thing to a point, but I thought that they've done enough. It's not like they don't have anyone anymore. You know what I mean? Where it felt like last year you didn't have anybody. Like, isn't that Dansby Swanson too? You know what I mean? Isn't that his role too? And then I hear people saying that Nico is acting like like one of those type of guys as, as far as leadership guys. He's He's been in the league a few years now, and now he's got his contract, and, and all, everyone's raving about him. I, Maybe it's that mentality of if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, maybe wait. And, and if he starts struggling as a team, give yourself that jolt of, oh, we got this guy coming up and everyone gets fired up. I I, I don't know, but I I guess I've just lived and, and, and I don't mean to, you know, I, I he was just in town, but Jason Hayward, it, I always heard the same thing. And that's great, but but if, if you need, you know, we also lived with with a, a black hole in right field for a long time, where just you got no offensive production, and and you just can't do that anymore. Where you're just sitting there and saying like, well, he's a really great team guy. Okay, well, isn't that what your coaches are for? You're telling me no one else can be the 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 rah rah guy to pick up the check. I mean, I don't know, man. I just I need a guy that. Who's going to help us win games? Who's going to put up numbers? Who's going to put power? 
you know, put up some power. And if that's Matt Mervis, then, then Eric Hosmer, you know, I don't know, hire him as a coach or something. You know, it's ironic that you bring up Jason Hayward because he's getting some love in fantasy circles at the moment because his hard hit rate is through the roof for the first time in ages. And I don't know what the Dodgers did with his swing. It kind of looks like he's selling out for power. His K rate has kind of upped quite a bit. Um, But his ISO is currently sitting at 227. And frankly, that's a very good ISO. And I'm like, that is the Jason Hayward the Cubs thought they were signing for all of those years. So more power to him. Great dude. I love what he yeah, did yeah, uh, okay. with the baseball academy out on the west side, and and he took the entire Dodgers team out to hang out out there. It was it was amazing to see. I don't know if you saw the pictures, but um, he had Clayton Kershaw out there. He had Mookie Betts out there. Like everybody was out on the west side hanging out with those kids at the baseball academy. So kudos to Jason Hayward. I wish you nothing but the best. But you are absolutely right. The Eric Hosmer, the ball bat to ball profile, the ground ball rate, the leadership, all of it screams Hayward in the same way. And I'm like, I don't want to see this movie twice. I saw nope. it once. <laughs> nope. And, and again, how many times with guys on base and all this stuff and you just go, Oh no. So I, I'm, I, like I said, I, you have a youth movement and, and, and it's ready to start. It's, it's bubbling underneath and there's only so much time, you know, you, you want to give these guys the opportunity and reward these guys that are, that are doing well, you can't sit there and say, okay, Eric Hosmer's taking up a roster spot when there's a guy, it looks like, from everything we're seeing, it looks like he's ready to play. So uh, May 15th is kind of like the day that I'm just kind of, th- I keep kind of going back in my head. I'm like, is it going to be before or after? You know, I, I'm really curious. I really think it's going to be after Memorial Day, and I hope I'm wrong about that. But we will find out together, Crawley, uh, hanging out at Wrigley Field at the Friendly Confines. It is a lot of fun to see the Cubs playing some winning baseball, and I know that you are stoked about it on the Fly the W podcast. Where else can people find you, what you're doing, and how can they follow your work? They can go to Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. No E in there at Crawley's Cubs. I'm on uh, F- Facebook and Instagram on Crawley's Clubhouse. And yeah, fly the W. For, uh, it's our podcast with 670 The Score. And, you know, we, we always have a lot of fun on there as well. And so, you know, it, it's fun. You'll always find me at Wrigley Field, usually at Lucky Doors before the game and probably Nisei after and, and just having fun down in Wrigleyville, man, because honestly, it's Wrigleyville is the greatest place no matter what, but when the Cubs are winning, it's an extra kind of special. I could not agree with you more. I was really thrilled to be able to catch a game with you uh, at Wrigley Field earlier this week. You can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow the podcast at Cup of Cubby Blue. Be sure you are subscribed to all of the great content at Fans First Sports Network. We have every team covered right now and a bunch of fantasy content as well. So make sure you are following. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star review and rating so other people can find the show. We will be back next time with Danny talking about the Marlins series. Until next time.